He's got dancing feet with that lower body. It's unbelievable. Look at the body. Look at that bubble butt. He's checking all the boxes, Michael. Yeah, he, he really is. Look at that big bubble butt. That's a, it's a power generator, those that thighs, quads, and the bubble butt. Offensive linemen love that. Feet. Huh. We are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. I just can't, you can't get enough of that uh, from Mayock talking about bubble butts uh, and really what you look for when you're uh, drafting people. Uh, we'll see what uh, kind of bubble butt uh, some of these free agents have that come into the Raiders. But first, Adam Candy, we talked about Ngakwe to, uh, to start off the show. We teased this a little. Nelson Aguilar, he bet on himself last year and it paid off. The Las Vegas uh, Raiders wide receiver goes to the Patriots, as it seems everyone else is in the last 24 hours. Two years, $26 million for Aguilar to the Patriots. Uh, my, my view, good for him. He came, had a heck of a season, signed a one-year deal for a little over a million, and uh, now he goes and gets paid uh, once again in his career. So good for Nelson Aguilar. What do you think, though, this does uh, counter move to the Raiders at this point when they're wide receivers? Henry Ruggs better be what they think he is. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Nelson Aguilar covered his butt last year. Right, Nelson Aguilar became the deep threat last year that Henry Ruggs was supposed to be, while Henry Ruggs, according to what we heard from John Gruden and Mike Mayock, struggled a little bit with the details of his rookie season. So when it comes down to it, you don't have any cover left for that pick being right, because without him, there is not a deep threat on that roster. No, not at all. Uh, Carr last year, passer rating uh, when he targeted Aguilar, 100.5. Um, Aguilar at least fit, had 15 catches of at least 20 yards. Um, career high, 896 yards on 48 catches for a career best 18.7 yards per catch average, which ranks second in uh, among NFL players with at least 25 catches. So he had a heck of a year for what was a really good offense, and now he gets paid. Uh, I keep seeing Juju Smith-Schuster uh, in terms of an opportunity there. We've talked about this in the past. Most of his career in the slot, we uh, we appear to think, at least from what they've said, they like Hunter Renfro. Do you go down that road? I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I look, I don't know if I go into next season hoping that Ruggs, Edwards, uh, you know, obviously Waller's great, and Renfro are the only guys. But when I hear Schuster, I kind of say, yeah, he's a really good player, but I stretch the field a little. I don't know if a slot guy is kind of what they need more so than, like you said, a guy who can go get it, you know, 20 yards, 30 yards down the field. If I look at what Juju Smith-Schuster has done over the last couple of years, I say, danger, Will Robinson. I don't want this guy. Like, at the, at the money that he's going to end up commanding, I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster is a fit for this team. Uh, he's a possession receiver, and I don't think this team is in need of paying a possession receiver when you have a tight end who is your most dynamic weapon and a guy, and you just mentioned, Hunter Renfro, who has proven to be a reliable slot guy, and we keep talking about Brian Edwards, right? We keep saying, what's Brian Edwards going to be for this team? And they keep espousing that they feel good about him. Well, if that's the case, then Juju Smith-Schuster is not your guy. If you're going to go out there and try to replace Nelson Aguilar, then what was Nelson Aguilar for you? He was a home right. run hitter. Right. Uh, also, I want to ask you before we get to some of the signings yesterday. So Kyle Long coming out of retirement after a year. Uh, you know, reports were he had two trips this week, one to Las Vegas, one to Kansas City. 
came in, uh, did not leave last night, expected to work out for the team Tuesday. We went over his injury issues uh, yesterday before he sent, you know, retired, uh, before he decided to come back. And he's been limited a long time. You know, we talked about Richie Incognito coming off a bad injury, especially at his age. Kyle Long, I know Raider fans are very excited because of the lineage. I know they're very excited because of his father and bring another Long in here. I might, again, I don't think I'm in the minority other than Raider fans who, who are in the majority here. But I'll tell you what, I think they should be very careful here. I don't, I, I hope it's not, hey, we're going to sign him because his name. You really, in my opinion, and I want to get your thoughts, you better find out if he's still healthy enough even after the year off if he can play. He missed a lot of games in these uh, few years before he retired. And you're trying to, you know, fix this offensive line. Maybe that's why they said, look, you need to stay over and work out here. We love you. We love the dad. And but that's not why you sign a guy. Offensive linemen at the age of 32 are not yeah. generally going to improve. And as you just said, Ed, if you look at the first three years of Kyle Long's career from 2013 to 2015, the guy was as reliable as they came. He played more than a thousand sure. snaps in all three of those seasons. And then he didn't play a thousand snaps in three of the next four seasons combined. So the injuries are a significant thing. Now, when he was on the field, if you just look at his grades, he was very good with the exception of his last season. So if you say that we're going to take a one-year shot, a two-year shot with Kyle Long, yeah, if you think he's healthy, here's why I think for as hard of a time as we give John Gruden and Mike Mayock, rightfully, for their inability to evaluate talent, you look at the offensive line and you say, look, with a guy like Richie Incognito, they were right. Um, you know, Incognito had his problems, and when he was on the field for the Raiders, he was very good when he was on the field. So again, if they think he's healthy, I don't have a problem with taking a shot on Kyle Long, but Ed, Mark Davis, with yeah. a member of the Long family in the building. I know. Like, I, I, I just wonder if the logic is going to win out over the heart. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. And like I said, I, oh. you know, Raider fans, I get it. And they know what the family history is, but that workout better show them something. I look, I don't know. He's coming back after a year. I don't know. I, I don't know if I get in a bidding war with Kansas city, obviously, but maybe they're trying to lock him up before he even gets on the plane to Kansas city. But everything you said is spot on. You've got to make sure he can play. You've got to make sure someone at that age, at that position is healthy enough. And, I just I wasn't surprised at the reaction on Twitter because he is a long, but I'll tell you what, this is not the time to, especially you have one time in 17 years for the playoffs, every decision you make from here on out and actually before here on out in the last several years, although it hasn't worked out playoff wise, better be about we need to get better at a spot and not be not not, hey, we need to sign him and hope, but we need to sign him because he's a long. I'm stunned that Raiders fans on Twitter, we're more excited oh. about something from the past than they yeah. are about the future. For the same franchise that came into town and on its license plates put the name of the owner who is no longer with us and hasn't been yes. with us for quite a long time for a franchise that hasn't won anything in a very long time. I'm stunned that that was the reaction. Uh, wanted to go over some signings yesterday. So uh, Shaq Barrett stays with the Bucks. Huge deal there. Uh, one one interest to me because we talked about it before what they would do in New Orleans with uh, Drew Brees retiring Jameis Winston one year 12 million Sean Payton has said uh, Taysom Hill and, and Jameis he has told both of them they will compete for the job I mean 
the Taysom Hill contract we've talked about forever. That's still a stunner given what they gave him. And we laughed the other day saying, you know, they're going to have to restructure to give other people money for, you know, restructure Taysom Hill's contract because he makes so much. Um, who do you give the inside track here? They only gave Jameis one year at 12. He took it. So I guess that means his people did not think there was a, another, you know, long-term deal, starter deal out there for him. But where do you put this this position now that the Hall of Famer is retired? And an analogy here that made me uh, <laughs> kind of smile now. Thinking about, I had a job interview years and years ago where I knew I was down to one of the last two candidates for the job, much like Jameis and Taysom. Right. And I was sitting in the waiting room, and the person who in the job for me came out, a really friendly conversation with the hiring manager and pat on the back and all this kind of stuff. And then I walked in and I sat down, did my interview, and the woman looked at me and was like, uh, so what do you want this job? And kept me in the room for maybe five minutes and sent me on my way. And I thought to myself, oh, oh, I have no chance. Like, I, I'm not getting this job. Um, that to me is Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. And, and then you got it? That, you got the job? Oh, I did not get the oh, job. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought this was going to be like a Disney movie. Like, <laughs> no, no. I did not get the job. The job, uh, was, uh, the job was inside you all along. Mmm. Goodness. <laughs> so, wow. such as it is, Jared, um, Taysom Hill was definitely the first person in the room in my analogy mm. where we know how much <laughs> Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. He wants Taysom Hill to win the job. But I think even, Ta even Sean Payton is smart enough to know that Jameis Winston is probably the better quarterback of the two of them. And that realistically, with all of the guys they've had to cut to get under the cap, that, that team is not a Super Bowl contender this year. And you can take a year with Jameis Winston to see, have you been able to get the good 30, the touchdowns, right, right, and not the bad 30, the interceptions from him? Uh, speaking of Super Bowl contenders, uh, the like we said, Shaq Barrett... Um, Four years up to seventy-two million. They've got other uh, free agents out there they're going to have to make decisions on. But one they don't have to make decision is as uh, Rob Gronkowski. One year, ten million dollars to run it back with Brady. Brady the other day with the four-year deal, even though there's outs and stuff. But this guy's going to play till he's sixty, I think. He he still looks like he's twenty-five. But Gronk is interesting. You know, he was retired as well, in and out, and coming back and won it. Now he's going to run it back for ten million. Uh, did you was this a no-brainer that he's like, yeah, let's try to do it again? He's always the kind of guy that you wonder, like, is he at the beach or is he at you know, is he at the on the boat or is is he at the field? But man, once he comes to the field, he certainly seems like once he dials in, like he's serious and you know, they're gonna run it back now, he and Brady. I'm a lot more worried about Odell Beckham Jr. being on a boat than I am about Rob Gronkowski <laughs> being on a boat. Uh, Rob Gronkowski has been able to manage himself just fine on land, on water, in the air. And I'm not, I'm not concerned about Rob Gronkowski. When they needed him, he showed up and caught yeah. two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. I do think $10 million yeah. is a little rich for what he gave them throughout the season. But, you know, what we've seen with Tampa, and this goes to the Shaq Barrett deal too. Lewis Riddick made a great point on Twitter yesterday and said, I always look at the fit before I look at the money when I look at free agent signings. And if you're the Bucks, if you're re-signing your own guys, you don't have to worry about the fit. You already know. You already know what this guy can do for you. And Shaq Barrett proved to be a highly effective edge rusher for this mm -hmm. team. So I don't have any problem with them giving him the big money because we've already seen with how guys got paid to rush the quarterback in free agency. If sure. they didn't give him that money, somebody else was going to. Would you 
final question here before we get to the break. Uh, would you promote, I mean, the Raiders, you know, when Mayock said when he was entering free agency, the key was to be patient. And we've heard about Ngakwe, obviously. Um, they haven't done much else. They're going to be patient. What are your what are the odds this works out for them? And, and we always said, look, we said whether it's Shaq Barrett or whoever, despite the cap now, that the big time guys are getting paid. They're just gonna get paid. And then it's that next level. Do you have faith, given what we've seen in recent free agent years with the Raiders, that if they are patient, and it might be the best strategy because of the money this year, do you have any faith patience will translate to the best decisions? Or do they have to prove themselves given what we've seen from free agency from these guys? The answer is yes. <laughs> no, because like, I actually agree with both points there, Ed. Like, I think Mike Mayock and John Gruden, or should I say John Gruden and Mike Mayock, since that's yes. a power structure, um, they have done nothing to earn trust when it comes to building a roster, right? This team is in no better of a place than it was when they showed up. So, no, they haven't earned that trust at all. That being said, I absolutely think they're making the right choices, and there's nothing to say that they can't look at the last three years, seen the way they have done things, and say, hey, you know what, we might want to try something a little different, and that we should give them credit for that if they do. Because, again, we talked about it earlier, the Ngakwe signing fits. I don't think it's the be-all, end-all solution, but it fits. It's a reasonable deal in terms of years and money for, for a guy of that talent. Now you look at the rest of the cap space, and look, the cap space doesn't go anywhere. You can carry it over year to year. So right. I'm not worried about that. Ed, do you ever play auction-style fantasy baseball or auction-style fantasy sports at all? I do not. Oh, I do. Okay. It's the best. Okay, so Jared understands what I'm going to say here, which is that early on, you know, compare it to the first day of free agency. When everybody gets to the auction, the first player who gets thrown out, the money is flying. Everybody mm -hmm. has their full complement. Everyone is ready to spend. And then there comes a point later in the auction, usually about halfway to three-quarters through, where people are starting to run out of money, and you look at the players who are still available, and you say to yourself, huh, I think I'm going to get some pretty decent values here. And then you start yep. picking off guys who you thought you were going to spend big money on who you pay a fraction of it. And I think that's where the Raiders might be best served to focus their efforts to try to get quantity over quality to fill a team that has significant roster holes all over. You, you literally, yeah, it's the let's pull up the floor. Yeah, the ceiling's going to stay where it is. Yep. Okay. When we come back, it's his floor to do what, what he wants. It's candy after this. Candies, chonies. Eh, nobody cares about that. It's not a big deal. Guys. It is a massive deal. How do you not understand this? Hundreds of corporations have been hacked in the last few years, and no one gave it. Name one. Equifax. Candies, chonies. Name another. Target. Candies, chonies. Name another one. PlayStation. Name one more. Yahoo. Another. Marriott. One more. eBay, Uber, Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Home Depot, Facebook. God damn it. Candies, chonies. Fine, we get UPS, it. Chase Bank, Tumblr, LinkedIn. People don't care about privacy. What they care about is a good story. The floor is mine, it would appear. Absolutely. Okay. It is time to dig into Candy's Chonies. I, by the way, Jared, very nicely done. Very happy to see that uh, we now have Chonies added in to Just Candy. Well done. Uh, 
I have a number for you, Ed. And this is how we do okay. this segment. Oh, no, this is a, well, I love these numbers. This is how we do this segment. I, I have no Ed chance to know what this number is. There's no chance. <laughs> I give Ed a number. And I and miss then, him what it is. Okay. And now this is going to be a combined number. I'm going to give you two numbers. This, Ooh, this is okay. one, one. Okay? One. That's the number? number is the, so it's two numbers, but it is one question. Okay. The first number of this two-part is 92.3. The second number of this is 13. They are related numbers. They have to do with the Raiders. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. They, um, one number has to do with a current Raider, and one number has to do with a former Raider. This is just going to be a disaster. Uh, I'll take, say... Just, just take one I'll guess say, at the players involved. Uh... So ninety-two point three, I guess I'll say Josh Jacobs and okay. thirteen, All the right. number of the number of bubble butts Mike Mayock has drafted since being a Raider GM. Ooh, I like that. You know what? That is a <laughs> guess I can respect. Uh, okay. 90, ninety-two point three was last year's pro football focus grade for Khalil Mack. Oh. Uh, who graded as the number two defender in all behind uh, that, that Aaron Donald guy. Aaron Donald. Um, yeah, Aaron Donald. He's pretty good. But he's that, was, that was the 92.3. The 13 is the cap number of one Yannick Ngakwe, who is exactly half of the cap number of Khalil Mack this coming year. Mm, okay. 13 versus 26. So here's my question to you, Ed. Does two Yannick Ngakwe's equal one Khalil Mack? Well, if you're straight math, and I was never good at math, uh, I believe 13 times 2 would equal Khalil Mack. But mm. if you're asking me, do I want Khalil Mack or two Ngakwe's? Is that the question? Sure. I will take one Khalil Mack. I will as well. And I just want to highlight that for all the discussion that we just had today, and we spent a lot of oxygen on Yannick Ngakwe, that if Khalil Mack were still on this roster... We wouldn't be talking about any of this right now. Right. Uh, if Yannick Ngakwe were brought in as a complimentary piece to Khalil Mack, we would be telling Patrick Mahomes to take out extra state farm insurance with Jake. <laughs> Let's go on to our next number here that I am going to reach into the chonies and okay. pull out. Okay, All here right. it is. I've already Zero done bubble butts. I can't do that. Uh, no, uh, no. I, I'm uh, Bubble butts are not going are to be done. featured here. I will give okay. you that clue. Uh <laughs> 0. 0.750. Zero Are we staying with the Raiders? 0. 0. 0.750 is a number that relates to the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh. 0. 0.750. It is a percentage. Oof. It is a oh, percentage. That Am I allowed to guess? The Golden Knights. Yes, uh, yes, you Jared, are. Jared, go for it. Average points per game. Okay, you are in the right area there. So it is their point percentage on the year, which is basically the number of games in which you have achieved at least a point uh, that you've played in. The Golden Knights are second in hockey at basically, they've gotten a point in three quarters of their games. The only teams ahead of them are Carolina and the Florida Panthers. Like we all and guessed. Exactly. You would have been right there on it. Um, so, Ed. 
Is this right. a function of how good the Golden Knights are, or is this a function of how bad their division is? And if it's, Boy, if that's it's a, some of that's both, that's a great question. That's it, a great if it's some question. of both, then which way do you lean more? Oh, it's a great question. I've got to be honest with you. Oh, God. My LA Kings just out of the playoff spot. They're not as bad as people think. Arizona's actually not as bad. Oh. All right. Oh, I'm going to go. It means as good as the Vegas Golden Knights are. Yeah, I actually lean that way with you. I, I just think that the, the reason I put this into the briefs is to say I don't want the Golden Knights to fool themselves at the trade deadline, which is coming up in a few weeks. Here. Okay. Okay. I don't want them to fool themselves into thinking all is well. Because right. some of the games they've played against the better teams, like Colorado and like Minnesota, there have been some breakdowns in those games that make you realize they're asking a lot out of some of their less proven players. You know, the injuries have meant that we get more Nick Hague and more Dylan Coglin and more Keegan Colasar. And in the end, that's all well and good for the regular season. But I really hope that even given their cap situation, that the Golden Knights are still looking for a Chandler Stevenson type acquisition, a guy who maybe fits uh, in a role with them that wouldn't fit as well somewhere else for an upgrade. Because if they're going to win the cup, I think there are still some holes here that can be patched. All right. Yeah. And the, you know what the real quick, you know what the thing that really stinks about this new, uh, the format just for the condensed schedule this year, you look at the Islanders nine straight, you look at Florida, you look at Carolina eight straight, four straight. Like I keep asking myself because you don't see those teams often, obviously, because we're just weren't watching the Knights in the West. Like I keep saying, like, are they better than the Knights? I, I don't follow, you know, I don't, I don't see those games, but you see some, you see some teams in the East and the Central. You're like, they seem really good, and that's the tricky part, right? We don't, yeah, get to I, see who these knows teams all year long, yeah. right? And so it's a, it is a unique season. In fact, it's a unique season in a way that you could almost say is as unique as what they went through last year. Right. Yes. Like, yes, the bubble was strange. Um, this is just as strange where the only teams you see all year long are in your geographic region here yeah. in the Honda West division. <laughs> but, you know, if you look at what you just said, the Eastern division and the Central division have multiple teams with a point percentage where the team is getting a point in nearly three quarters of their games. Yeah. It's just the Golden Knights in the West. So yes. it is a partially a factor of them being really good, I think. But also, you got to factor in who they've played and the fact that I think where we're really going to see it is if the Golden Knights make it down the line, I have no idea how, how well they're going to perform in the playoffs either. or when they start crossing over divisions. Right. <laughs> well, Jared, I believe that we have spent as much time in my briefs as we've we got the numbers down. Well, you you day. got you got one more. You got one 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 like last sweet you can pull out of the chonies for uh, Ed to completely whiff on. Yes. All right. If you want one more, listen. I can one give more. you one more. Are are you okay. sure you're ready for this? Because well, I haven't been ready for any of them, so I might as well go with this one. That is actually <laughs> an excellent. Point. I, I so... sent you mine yesterday, and you said no one would get it. <laughs> you want me to do it? Go, go, give him the number. Ed, well, because Ed didn't answer yesterday. Oh, you want me to do mine? <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I don't want you to do yours. Let me let me go ahead and, and do my own here because I want to give Ed a number that comes out of the type of numbers that I like to use. Okay. Uh, this number is going to be related to baseball. Okay. And are you ready? Here come two numbers. 
Okay. 3.97 uh-huh. and 3.99. Oh, can't be Trevor Bauer's ERA is too good. He's a Cy Young winner. Um, That's true. Uh, even with one uh, eye open. Even with one eye open. Hope he closes them both just to try it. 3.97, yeah. 3.99. I'm just going to say somewhere in there, there's an ERA. Okay. This is where I'm trying to get you into the next generation here, Ed Graney. Those are XFIPs. Ah. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm do you ready. you know the XFIP? Are you, are you hip to the XFIP? Does this have anything to do with your, uh, your, your drafting? <laughs> no, nothing at all. Okay. Uh, the two, <laughs> all right. The two numbers that I gave you are XFIPs. They are... 3.97, last year's XFIP for the San Diego Padres, and 3.99, last year's XFIP for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Why is that interesting? Because last year, the actual Dodgers ERA was 3.02. The actual Padres ERA was 3.87. So XFIP is expected fielding in defendant percentage. I think Jared knows this number. I know that Tyler knows this number. Uh, the Padres pitched a lot closer to expectation last year than the Dodgers did. The Dodgers actually got fairly lucky. Is that something that a Cy Young winner like Trevor Bauer can fix? Well, it's 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 tough, but I'm going to take a luck and a ring over anything else every day. There it is. There it is. I got a little San Diego Padres pity out of the guy. That's all I was shooting for. I just want the ring. When we come back, he knows a little about ring. Asterisk. Jameis Wells. Jameis Wells. But I do want to say one thing, though. They, I, I thought this was my building. And I feel terrible that I'm getting stopped, accosted, asking for passes. Everybody in this building should know who the hell I am. And I'm getting stopped. I can't move around this building. Like I, I was like, what the hell? Is this Madison Square Garden? I'm going to have to call Mr. Dolan and say, geez, is my number in the rafters or what? All right. All right let's Ewing. go to Bobby Bancroft. Wow. Patrick Ewing needing a pass. Yellow and red security jacket, guys. Not good. ESP 1100, 100.9 FM. Please be joined now. They'll follow on Twitter at the Jameson. Jameson Welsh, our NBA insider. What do you think? Pat Ewina, do you know who I am or was it justified? Man, it's very disgraceful, man. That should never happen. There's certain <laughs> guys that, I mean, first of all, his Big East record as a player speaks for itself. Just that, in that alone, uh, he should be able to walk through that arena by itself. What he did as a New York Nick. I mean, he's the best Nick since I've been alive. I mean, I've been alive for 35 years almost. So he's the best player to ever wear that jersey since I've been alive. So if he can't walk in that arena without being checked and double-checked, we have a huge problem. And that's, that's, that's not right. Certain things should never happen, and that's one of them. As a young man who grew up in New York in the 80s, I wanted to jump through my computer screen when I first saw Patrick Ewing given that quote this week, and say, do you know who this man is? He's the only reason that we haven't all gone crazy as Nick fans, because we had Patrick Ewing for a you while. correct, and he's the guy uh, that kept, kept the Knicks relevant for basically 15 years, so it's uh, you know, it, it's sad, though. Like, it's sad to see, because we always talk about taking care of the ex-players and making sure. Remember that, the phrase, once a Nick, always a Nick? Well, that ain't the case, because if that's the case, he wouldn't have made that statement. There's no way that happened, especially at that arena. There's no way. Uh, yeah, ask Charles Oakley about once a Nick, always a Nick. Exactly, exactly. Seriously, man. Uh, Jameson, this was interesting because he, well, I guess he talks more and more. This is not his college days where he barely spoke uh, in, in interviews. He's gotten a lot better, but he doesn't uh, he's, He doesn't talk a lot. Kawhi Leonard a couple nights ago after they lose to the Pelicans, and it's not close, 
as much as Kawhi can, he calls out that team and says, "Look, this isn't this isn't how great teams play. You don't you don't lose three or four. You don't go out you know quietly like tonight. You have to be more competitive." Then they come back last night, and Kawhi Leonard helps them uh, close out the Mavericks. You know, I don't think one game changes thing. One, are you surprised Kawhi took that stance? But two, what is going on with this team? Are they as good as people thought, or are there obvious flaws where people just aren't seeing it with the Clippers? Well, they have several flaws. Um, that's the first thing. Uh, secondly, Kawhi, it's his, he is the best player on the team, and it is, it's his job to speak up if something isn't right. So I don't mind him saying that. It is true. Uh, with that being said, though, they're supposed to be better defensively. When you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you expect them to be a lot better defensively. They haven't been that dominant defensive team. And I think that's probably the biggest cause for concern. But the second biggest thing would be their lack of playmaking. They don't have a point guard or they don't have a player that can make life easier for their two guys. Um, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of individual talent when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George has a good game because they're superstar type talents. However, it, it doesn't come easy. You know, Paul George, he makes life a lot harder on himself with the way he scores. If it's not a catch-and-shoot three, he's usually trying to get by someone and shooting over them. Instead of someone having to set him up or coming off screens or whatever, it's always a tough, contested shot with him or going to the basket trying to score with someone. It's very difficult to win like that. So they need a guy that can make plays for them and also hit open shots at the point guard position. A guy like Kyle Lowry, his name has come up a lot. However, the Clippers, they kind of lack resources to make a deal. So that's why it's very tricky right now where they're at because they need to make a move in order to get a guy that can make some things happen. At the same time, they trade away a lot of their first-round picks to Oklahoma City in the Paul George trade. So it's kind of a weird balance here. Jameson, one team that is not worried about its point guard situation is the Brooklyn Nets. They have two point guards and a guy who could be a point forward if they – need to um what do you think about what's going on in brooklyn right now because it seems like we're seeing the emergence of james harden in a really special way alongside kyrie irving they don't have kevin durant in the mix right now are you someone who thinks that they can take kevin durant and just plug him in and everything will be good or do you think it's going to take a while for them to figure out how the three of them work together assuming they all ever get healthy at the same time so here's the craziest part about Kevin Durant. As talented as he is, he's probably the easiest piece that's been that talented to ever play in the NBA because we know he can go and shoot 30 times a game if he wants to, but that's not his game. Uh, he kind of lets the game come to him. When he gets the ball, he does what he does. Um, he can fit pretty much anywhere. We saw it in Golden State. Uh, we saw what he did in OKC. We saw the first few games here as a net. He, his fit is always going to be seamlessly because he doesn't need a lot of, you know, time with basketball in order to be productive. You know, he's a great catch-and-shoot guy. Even though when he goes to his ISO bag, it's not necessarily a 20-second situation. He does what he does, get his shot up, and keeps him moving. So his fit is always going to be fine. The biggest thing is in a playoff series, how are they going to defend? You know, because their offense is going to be amazing. Like Their offense is going to be just fine. But if you're going to beat the Nets, you're going to have to make expose them on the defensive end. You're going to have to make sure somebody looks out of, out of space. You have to make sure you get somebody in foul trouble. You're going to have to do some things to really ruin their rhythm because offensively, they're a problem. Like no, one has, no one can do what they do offensively. Like Their ceiling offensively is extremely scary. But defensively is where you got to expose them. That's your only shot. But Kevin Durant would be just fine. He, he's literally probably the best player with his talent and skill set 
that can play on any team in any situation to be just fine. Uh, they dropped a couple, I think, coming out of the break. Then they won one. I think they're in Boston tonight. Does you does Utah hold on in the West for the top spot? It just depends on what happens with everyone else because you know everyone has injuries or everyone is dealing with something. Um, I don't. I'm not a believer in Utah. I, I'm not. Uh, I like Donovan Mitchell. I like Jordan Clarkson. But if those are your first and second options in playoffs, uh, when you're playing against teams that are just as good, if not better. I got some questions, you know, and, you know, I like Bogdanovich. I, you know, I like Royce O'Neal. He's gotten better. But, again, if, you know, Donovan Mitchell's your number one, all right. But if Clarkson's your number two, eh, I have some concerns with that because in the playoffs, it's a bit different. You know, the scouting the scouting's different. The defense is different. They're taking away your number one move all the time. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. But as a regular season team, they're going to be fine. Uh I wouldn't surprise me to see them hang on, but I think they are going to come back to the pack a little bit just because they were shooting lights out for like a month straight. You know, they, were on, they had a big winning streak. They were shooting something crazy from three, uh, over 45% from three of the team. That's not going to continue. So we'll see how it goes. Plus, there's going to be a lot of games this back end of the season because there's a lot of games that were canceled or postponed. So you're going to have a lot of makeup games and a lot of three games and four nights, a lot of five games in seven days. So you're going to see some of these records come down to the pack a little bit. Just to follow up on that briefly, would you say that Jordan Clarkson is the second option in front of like putting the ball in Mike Conley's hands for that team? Well, for scoring, for scoring purposes. Oh, okay. Guys that okay. Yeah. Get a bucket. Like when playoffs, you need a guy to get a bucket. If he's your second option, I have some concerns. Now, Mike Conley, he's going to run the show. He's going to make sure guys get good looks, and he's also a knockdown shooter as well. However, he's not the guy that's going to make a play like that when you need to score. That's not really his forte at this stage of his career. When it comes down to it, they're going to go through Donovan Mitchell one, and then Clarkson's going to be the next guy, and I have some doubt when it comes to that. Okay, so what stay team? there because – oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. No, I, no, no, no. That's fine, Ed. Go right ahead. Uh, I was going to stay there and, and stay with the Suns, who are now in second. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, uh, once again, with them in terms of holding on here, do you think it's going to shake itself out and the Lakers will just take over? What about the Suns? Well, the Suns are a very interesting team. They won very big last night. They won a game they're supposed to win, uh, so that was impressive. With them, they're gonna as long as they stay healthy, they'll be fine because they have a nice core and they defend. They really defend. They really get after you defensively uh, with the roster that they have. Uh, my biggest concern with them is that they're still a young team. We know Chris Paul is there. The majority of the other pieces are young, and they have never been through a situation like this. So going from being the team that's up and coming to a team that other teams have circle on their calendar. It's a different situation. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they approach these games and the mental outlook on them. But they're going to be right there. They're going to be a top three team out west if they stay healthy. They've been that good. And Chris Paul, even though he may not score a lot on most nights, his impact is still there. And that's the key because they, they missed a veteran presence on that roster for so long, a guy that can make things happen on both ends. Now they have that. So now everybody's in their natural role. But Michael Bridges is the guy – to keep a lookout for. We all know about Devin Booker. He's an amazing player. But Michael Bridges is the guy that, for me, uh, if he takes that next step, he has to be dangerous. He's a great 3 and D guy. He can make some things happen off the bounce. But if he takes the game up to another level, the Suns can probably get out of round two if he if his game goes up another notch. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on that. He definitely is their X-factor guy on the nights that they're really good. Uh, you and I have talked before with the Andre Drummond situation, and 
I'm curious now, we're talking about all these contenders and what help they might try to bring in once we get closer to the trade deadline. How long does this Drummond thing go on, and where do you think he would fit? So here's the thing. When you're trading for him, you're trading $27 million you know, to get him or somewhere around that area. So you got to come up with that kind of you know, number to get, get him. And I don't know a lot of teams really want to do that, especially contending teams. Like if you're a bad team, you do what you got to do to make the math work. But contending teams, you're not going to deal that kind of amount away because now you're messing with your rotation. So that's not going to happen. A lot of teams are waiting for the buyout market. They're waiting for after the deadline and see what happens on the buyout situation because they'll take their chances there. Lakers aren't going to trade for him. The Nets aren't going to trade for him. They're hoping he gets bought out. And when he gets bought out, both teams will make their pitch, and whatever happens, happens. Uh, there'll be other teams. I mean, Boston definitely needs them. Uh, they, you know, they need any big they can get right now. Uh, he'd be good there. Um, even in Portland, like if he went to Portland, he'd be good. If he was a, in a lot of teams could use him. As crazy as it sounds, the Clippers would be interested in him. Like that's a team that can use him. So there's a lot of teams that can use his services. I mean, he's still a very good player. He's just not the player that you want to pay $27 million to. That's the difference. But he can still play and help a lot of teams out. It's just that his salary is the biggest thing. Uh, final one here. Who, if you had to guess, is the most active at the deadline? I actually read a story yesterday, maybe today, that the Knicks would be really active at the deadline. But any other team that jumps out of you that's really going to be active? Houston and Indiana. Houston has to make a decision on what they got to do. They have a lot of veterans on that roster that don't belong there. They're going in the opposite direction. They're getting ready for the draft and getting ready for next season already. They've lost 16 games in a row, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, they're going to – P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, guys like that are going to be on the move. They're going to try to get some draft picks back and try to reset everything at the draft. Indiana has a lot of moving pieces with Karis LeVert coming back. They have a lot of long, uh, long jamming type players uh, in certain positions. And Miles Turner, as good as he is, I'm a big fan of his, He's not the ideal fit next to Sabonis. And Sabonis is now an all-star. Uh, Miles Turner is a very good player. Not quite an all-star talent, but he does a lot of things a lot of teams need. He has value out there. I can see him being attached to one of those wings that they have there to make that roster a little bit better than it is. That's why we have Monies, our NBA expert. Follow him on Twitter at TheJameson for all your NBA up-to-date news. Thanks, Jameson. We appreciate it. Oh, not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me as always. Jameson Welsh at the Jameson on Twitter. All right, when we come back, you'll want to hear this. It's a great dessert menu if you like dessert, especially if you like some burgers. Back after this. Let's end the show with something sweet. This is the dessert menu brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. Utah State basketball Marco Anthony likes hamburgers. And he wears jersey number 44. Now, when you go around college basketball, you, you read the media guide, and a lot of players will wear the number their father wore or a lucky number, but that's not the case for Marco Anthony. He wears number 44 because he always liked the Wendy's four-for-four four meal deals. And I asked him last night, I said, is that really true? Is that real? Like, did you just make that up? He said, how could I make something like that up? It's true. So this has been the Dessert Menu, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today at SilverStateCU.com. Okay, that was awesome, and I do love the fact the kid said, how in the world would I make that up? Four for four in the Wendy's combo, Adam. 
If I could defend like Mark oh. Anthony can defend, I might have that for three <laughs> meals a day. <laughs> How many burgers does this kid eat in 44? I don't oh, know. I mean, great story. He, he's, he's probably bunking with Reggie Miller inside that Wendy's. Oh, oh man. That's a that was a good joke, man. I, yeah. I, I wish the segment was over. <laughs> like that was a good exit on it. We still got like five minutes left, but great job. We, we don't man. even, you know, we don't even need a press box transition on that, and we love the press box transitions because they usually make no sense. But that could have just ended it. Yeah, first. ah, man, <laughs> excellent, excellent joke. All right, uh, so I have a very dumb question I wanted to get to, um, and I was just thinking about it last night because they put it up on the, they put it up on the game broadcast who the refs and the umpires were and the linesmen for the golden Knights game and outside of baseball and some very specific basketball referees. Does anyone ever look at the ref and go, Ooh, I know him. He's good. Like, is it like an airline pilot where it's just like, hi, this is Dave and I'll be your pilot today. And it's like, cool. I don't care. Fly the plane. Or is it genuinely like, you see the ref, and there's something you can glean from that as also an official. I believe you just left out the most important sport of all. You said basketball and baseball, right? Well, like Joe West comes to mind. Angel Hernandez. Okay. Do you, do you not want to go with Sean Hockley or Carl Ooh, all right, or all right. Bill Vinovich yeah. or any of the NFL referees? But like, see, I don't think of them as like bad or like notoriously bad i think it like ed hockley is just like we had a random we had a randomly swole ref did he ed famous- hockley, by the way ed by ed hockley by the way had more influence on referee culture than just about anyone in the world because that idea of you have to be bending the seams of your shirt has spread to every sport now like it becomes a thing when you show up at these referee camps like who looks like they just got done with a whole year of CrossFit so they can get out there and burst the seams of their schmedium jersey and look good on the court? But to answer your, direct, your question directly, like, it's the baseball part with balls and strikes, right? Like, that's really right. where you know somebody. You know yes. that, that Angel Hernandez and Joe West are going to screw up obvious calls and that that's going to have an effect on the game. Uh, in hockey, though, oh, my God, nobody knows. Nobody no, knows we, who the referees are in hockey. Nobody. So, so they the basically referee, just pick well, some names out of a hat and go, yeah, these are your refs. You're not going to look it up. Yeah. Don't say you're going to look it up. You're not going to look it up. No. The only one in hockey, though, and this is only because he's there's been so many YouTubes and he was on last night with his calls, wouldn't the only one in hockey. And if he's skating around fast, I will tell you, I probably have no idea who it is until he makes actually a call. Wouldn't it be Wes McCauley? I guess we know Wes McCauley at this point. And look, it used to be a thing. I think this is going to sound really strange. In the days before they were all required to wear helmets, it was a lot yeah. easier to identify some of the referees. Like Kerry Fraser, you could pick out from a long way away because he was challenging John Higgins in basketball for best hair. Um, you know, <laughs> Don Van Massenhoven. Oh, my God. Uh, how about Koharski? We are going who knows deep their on these history. references. Koharski. Jim Schoenfeld, have another donut. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. I just know Hockley. Isn't he the one with the guns? That was Ed Hockley, who has... Ed Hockley. Uh, Ed Hockley, and now his son, Sean Hockley, is also an NFL referee. But Does he, he have guns as well? No. What's funny is he's, oh. le- he's less swole than his dad. 
Really? Yeah. He is less. To, look, to answer your question, the, the people who know about these things, Jared, are gamblers. Right? Okay. Oh, gamblers yeah. know about these yeah. things because gamblers will see which referees call more fouls in basketball because they want to yeah. know about over and under. They want to know in football which crews call the most penalties because they want to know about how many points might be scored. They want to know in baseball about balls and strikes. Same reason. And uh, nobody, I mean, nobody knows in hockey. So, I mean, look, honestly, in hockey, no to be chance. Honest, no the chance. First time, the first time that you went to a Golden Knights game, you had to have been fooled by the little video they put up when the opposing player went into the penalty box and the like yes. fake penalty yes. box guy was holding yes. up a sign. I was totally fooled the first time I saw that. that, and that's because I have no idea about anything about hockey referees. That's and you're right. And I've watched McCauley's YouTube's just because of his calls, but anything else. And like I said, when they skate on to begin the game, I mean our beat writers know because they know a little more, a lot more of it than I do. But if he's doing a game, I won't know anything until the guy actually makes a call. I have no idea who those guys are. Quickly, did they know the NBA officials because they traded in their plane tickets for more money? Tim Donahue. <laughs>